Our lesson for this morning is going to continue the series that we began last week on making a difference. I've got a few lessons that go along with this theme. Last week we talked about why Christians should make a difference. And just to kind of review uh, as far as what we've already talked about, we understand that God expects us to make a difference. We are to be the salt of the earth and light in the darkness. God has given us a purpose in existence to reach the lost with the gospel and to walk in His ways. We also understand that the world needs us to make a difference. We all need each other, Christians and fellow man alike. The world would be much different without strong Christians in the balance. And also it is difficult for us to find fulfillment in being average. Christians need to stand out rather than the evil that surrounds us. We need to stand up and we need to make a difference. So those are the reasons why Christians should make a difference. But today's lesson is how Christians can make a difference. And so basically we're continuing that thought into today's lesson. Our lesson objectives for this morning are, first of all, to learn what we can do as Christians to make a difference in the lives of those that we meet. And secondly, as we learn how to better ourselves as God's people so we can change our world. I think all of us would agree that we want certain things to be changed in our world. Those things start and change with us. I'm going to look at three C's today, the first of which is complacency. Where does complacency stand in how we make a difference? Something that we should understand as Christians and as people, as God's people, is that we should never be satisfied with who we are. We should never be satisfied with ourselves. As I am never perfected, at least not in this life, I should never be satisfied with my spiritual condition. I always need to strive to be better. I need to strive to be different than what I have been. Whenever I notice my spiritual condition, something that I realize is that as I'm never perfected in this life, is that I'm always in need of God's grace and mercy. And since I'm always in need, I have no reason to be satisfied. I can never be satisfied with the amount of good works that I have done. 
It doesn't matter how many good things I've done for people. There is always still a need. There's always someone in need, spiritually or physically. And because of that, I know that no matter how many good works I've done, there's always more that can be done. And so I should never be satisfied in that regard either. One of the things that we learn from Scripture, we have great examples throughout the Bible. And one of the greatest examples that we have is Paul. Which is interesting because of how he began. Because before he became a Christian, he was one who persecuted the church. And and what a great turnaround he had in, in going from being someone who persecuted the church in all essences of the word a terrorist. That's what he was. But he, he came to set a good example for us. And one of the ways that Paul sets a good example for us is that he was never satisfied with who he was. No matter how much good he did, no matter how much he preached the gospel, and how many souls were saved because of, of how he did that, Paul was never satisfied with himself. Notice what is said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. This was our scripture reading for this morning. Philippians 3 and verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid, laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One of the things that he mentions here is that he does not count himself as to have already attained the goal. There's always more that can be done. Always more that he can do. And as long as there's more that he can do, he keeps pressing forward. He's never satisfied with who he is or who he has become. He's always looking to be better. Verse 15, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind, let us think the same way that Paul does. Never count ourselves to have already obtained the goal, but keep pressing forward. Keep doing. Never becoming satisfied with ourselves. We should, with each day, seek to be better than we were the day before. Something that I read, I think I've mentioned it before, about preachers, is that we as preachers should seek to never give the congregation the same person in the pulpit from Sunday to Sunday. I should be different. I should be better than what I was last week. That should be my goal as, as a preacher, is to give you a better preacher than what you've had. It's the same way with each of us. We need to be better, no matter who we are or what role we may play within the church or, or within our families or in our jobs. 
We should always seek to better ourselves. Always seek to be different so that we can make a difference. We must never be satisfied with the condition of others. There are many who are lost. Our purpose is to bring them to Christ. Whether they be friends or enemies or family members, co-workers, etc. doesn't matter who they are, but we need to be in the soul-saving business. There are many who have needs. And when we look at the needs of others, we might ask the question, is praying for them enough? It isn't enough to simply pray for someone. Praying is a good thing to do. But notice what it said in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. James 2 and verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Our faith leads us to do more than just pray or to wish someone well. And we usually use this scripture for a different point. But faith leads us to do more. If there's some way that we can help supply that need, then we do so. Praying is a good thing, but more is involved. Faith leads us to act and help them in any way that we can. Even those who are faithful Christians need to be encouraged. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you do need to be encouraged? I do. Even the purpose of worship, even our purpose in being here today, one of the main purposes that we have, it's yes to do those things that God has, has told us that He wants us to do. The things that we have been commanded. We, we partake of the Lord's Supper and we sing and we pray. and We partake in all these acts of worship. But the main purpose, our main goal in coming together each week is for edification. Edification is why we're here. We're here to build each other up. To encourage each other. And I will tell you that, that that's one of the things that I love about worship services is getting to be with God's people and I almost always leave encouraged. That's one of our purposes in coming together. So as faithful Christians, we need to be encouraged and we seek to encourage others. Our world is in constant darkness. I know you can look out the window and, and you see light coming in coming in the windows, but but when we look at our world, there are so many people who are in darkness. That needs to change. We need more light in the world. We need more people that have a reason for living. We need hope. We need to encourage that. We need to foster that, if you will. And 
And as Christians, we should seek to be the change that it needs. Go back to my song, This Little Light of Mine. Love that song. This may be one single light, but even adding that one little bit of light to the darkness of the world makes it brighter, doesn't it? We need to seek the change that the world needs in that regard as well. Christians need vision. And I'm not talking about just seeing. But we need vision. We need the ability to see what is and has been. We need to be able to look at, at what is currently in our present. We need to look behind us and, and see what we've been in the past or, or where our world has been in the past even. We need the ability to see what needs to be done. We need to be able to see what needs to be changed. We we again look at, at what has been, what is, and we see what needs to be changed going forward. And we need the desire to make the change a reality. Seeing what needs to be done, how else is it going to be done unless we do it? We as Christians need to make a difference. And this is one of the ways in which we make a difference. We should never be satisfied with what is, but always look forward to what can be. Our next point, commitment. Christians need to be committed in a good way. We need to be committed to God. We need to have a commitment to God. We have a commitment to serve God throughout our lives. First of all, as sacrifices. One of my favorite passages, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We commit ourselves to being what is referred to here as a living sacrifice. We sacrifice our lives to God. We give Him everything that we've got because He gave us everything in giving us His Son. We have a commitment to serve God in holiness and righteousness. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. 1 Peter 1, and beginning with verse 13. Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. In abstaining from evil things, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. 
Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So we need to honor our commitment to God. Where does that commitment begin? Our commitment to God begins when we become Christians. When we offer ourselves to God. When we are obedient to His Word, to to the plan of salvation. When we have repented, confessed, been baptized for the remission of sins, we are making a commitment to live our lives for God. So many people... They obey the gospel, but oftentimes they lose their way. They, they go back into the ways of the world because they're not honoring the commitment that they made. It's almost as important as, as a, a commitment in marriage, more important than a commitment in marriage. As in when a husband and wife commit their lives to serving the other for the better, We are committing ourselves to serving God. And we need to better ourselves in that. Not only do we honor our commitment to God, but also our commitment to others. First of all, in bringing the lost to Christ. As we mentioned a moment ago. In Mark 16, 15 and 16, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized, will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. We do so in encouraging the weak and helping the needy. We should never be satisfied with their situations. Think of the rich man and Lazarus as it's mentioned in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 21. Luke 16, and beginning with verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Again, this is one that we use in in an entirely different way in a lot of our lessons. But, but think of it this way. The rich man was satisfied with what he had and his life as it was. He, he saw no need for there to, to be any change in that. He was also satisfied with the poor and needy Lazarus that was sitting at his gate. Daily he was sitting there It talks about his life, of his being full of sores and constantly in need, and the rich man was satisfied with that. He never saw the need for any of that to change. We need to commit ourselves to helping others, never be satisfied with their situations. Kind of goes back to complacency, doesn't it? 
So we're to have a commitment to God. We're to have a commitment to others. And we're also to have a commitment to heaven. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 says this. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? We should do all we can today to reach heaven tomorrow. Heaven is something that Christians must invest in. It's not something that is just going to happen, but we must invest in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Unless we have stored our treasures in heaven, unless we have invested in heaven, we cannot reach it. So we must commit ourselves to reaching that goal. And we can know by faith that one day we will reach it. Compassion. We need to have compassion. Christians should possess the kind of compassion that moves us into action. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. One of the things that we notice here is that Jesus saw the needs of the masses and instructed his disciples to pray that those needs be met, primarily their spiritual needs. We also see that we are laborers in the vineyard seeking to bring in the lost. And just as Jesus healed their illnesses and diseases, we should seek to help others in their illnesses and pray for them. But the question comes to us, do we care? We often might ask the question, does God care? Does, does Jesus care for us? That's a song. But do we care? Do we care enough to get involved in the lives of those in need? Do we care enough to do something to help fulfill those needs? And do we care enough to try to make a difference in our world? How much do we care for the needs of those around us? As we conclude our lesson for today, 
Just some final points. First of all, as long as we are satisfied with the way things are, nothing will ever change. If we want to see the world change, satisfaction doesn't get us to that point. We can never be satisfied with the way things are. We should always seek a change. As long as we are not committed to anything or anyone, our lives will have no meaning. They have no purpose. Uh, A song that came out several years ago, a country song. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. We've got to have a purpose. Got to have something to stand for. When you stand, first of all, for God but also for others, for what we believe in. As long as we lack compassion, we will never never care enough to make the needed change. If we don't have compassion, what do we have? We need to have compassion on those around us and on the needs that we see. If we want to make for ourselves and those close to us a better world, we must first look within. If I'm unwilling to make a difference, my world will always remain the same. We cannot complain about what we think things should be like if we are unwilling to change them. We must understand why. We need to make a change. We must understand how to make a change. And then we are to go out into the world and be the change that it needs. On behalf of myself and the Mars Hill Church of Christ, we thank you for joining us. We hope you will be back with us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. right here on the Gospel Radio Network at tgrn.org. If you would like to contact us, our phone number is 615-203-3637. If you would like to find out more about our congregation, Our website is www.marshillcoc.org. Our email address is marshillcoc at gmail.com. And if you would like to contact us the old-fashioned way, our address is 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. If you are in our area, 
We would love to meet you in person. Our service times are 9 a.m. for Bible study and 10 a.m. for worship on Sunday mornings. Thank you again for joining us, and until we meet again, may God bless you.